beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome, welcome to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. It is October. That means it is mental health awareness month. And mental health is something that I love to share about. I think it's so important to talk about. And the topic today is one that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. In fact, I wasn't sure if I had done this exact topic before and had to go back and look at my episode list because it is something that has been on my mind for a while. And I sort of weave in and out of the topic of therapy and how much it has helped me and helped my life and helped my mental health. But I've never done an episode solely dedicated to 
therapy itself, therapy as a generality. Now, you know, I'm going to start this episode being very, very clear that I am not a professional of any kind. I am most assuredly not a medical professional. Everything that I talk about on this show or any show around mental health is anecdotal. It is about my own experience, and I highly encourage you always to seek your own answers, ask medical professionals in your life questions if you have them. Do not take every single thing I say as complete gospel. This is only my experience. And in fact, my experience here is fairly limited, especially in terms of therapy. While I have been talking about and reading about and experiencing mental health issues my whole life, specifically anxiety, I only started therapy a few years ago. Actually, it's been about six years now. I've only had one therapist. So my experience here is not vast at all. I have lots to say on what it has done for my life and the things that I've learned. But one of the reasons that I talk about it, that I share about it, even with this limited experience, is because I want other people to do the same. Meaning you, if you have had an experience with therapy Please talk to your friends about it if it would be useful to them. Post about it if that's in your comfort zone. Let us please normalize the experience of taking care of our mental health. It is just as important as all the other realms of health that we talk about pretty freely. You know, diet, heart health, all the many ways that we must take care of ourselves. Mental health has you know, one of the greater taboos around it. And I really am trying to break that. So I talk about this to share my own experience, not as an expert, but I do want to equip you to be able to talk about it for yourself if you have things to say, or to be able to ask about it with a friend who might know. So it's really important to me that everyone understand I'm just coming at this as a person who has struggled, as a person who has gone to therapy and and nothing more. So I have... 10 things I want to share with you today about therapy. 10 things that I think are really important. And if you haven't listened to some of my past episodes about anxiety in particular, I highly urge you, if this is something you want to hear more about, to go listen to those. Episode 18 is 10 Thoughts on Anxiety. Episode 57 is called, Is It Anxiety or Is It Intuition? And that same week, right after episode 57, there is a bonus episode that is one of the best conversations I've ever recorded. It is so important to me. It is a bonus episode with Dr. Becky at home. The title is called Anxiety Always Makes Sense. If anxiety is something that you struggle with or someone that you love struggles with, please go listen to that bonus episode with Dr. Becky. It is so, so good. And just to give some quick background so that you can listen to the rest of this episode, sort of knowing where I'm coming from, if you haven't listened to any of the other thoughts that I've had on mental health over the years, I grew up with a ton of childhood anxiety. When I was about three or four, I started pulling my hair out at the root. That was one of my coping mechanisms. This was in the 80s in small town Oklahoma, childhood therapy 
dealing with childhood anxiety, it was not a thing then. And so I had lots of coping mechanisms, but no real treatment to speak of until I was in my early 20s and had sort of a meltdown after years of some health problems, a bad romantic breakup, some real hard things. I finally called a doctor, just a general practitioner back then. Since that time, I have cared a lot about treating my mental health and just paying attention to it, learning about it. I have coping mechanisms that are healthy and unhealthy. I will still pull my hair out when I'm very, very stressed. But it wasn't until after both of my children were born, I was already in my mid-30s when I was at the park one day with my kiddos, with my husband. We were trying to have a nice family day at the park on the carousel. It was a beautiful, sunny afternoon in Southern California. And we got on this carousel. The kids were laughing. There was all this joy. And I just could not stop crying. Like I could not control these tears that were leaking out of my face. I could not rein it in like I had on so many other days, just holding it together, but barely just with some sticky tape. That day, all those ways that I had cobbled together to hold it together as a new mom just completely fell apart. And that day at the park, I said out loud to myself, I made a vow, I need to get some help. And the next day, I emailed an acquaintance from my Mommy and Me play group. I did not know her very well, but I happened to know just in our chit chat that she herself was a therapist and that she worked and lived in our neighborhood. And so I just sent her an email and said, hey, I'm struggling. Do you have someone you could recommend? And she sent me back a list of three people that were also in our neighborhood that she recommended. The first one on that list is the one I called. And I have now been seeing her for six years, and she has basically changed my life. I know that that is a really big superlative to say. Therapy was not the only thing that changed my life, but it was definitely an enormous turning point. After years of struggling, it is one of the main things that grounded me, that brought me back to myself after the uncertainty of the baby years and things happening in my personal life and all the things that can really knock you down and kind of take you out of the game for a minute. And by a minute, I mean years. And it wasn't immediate. We'll get to that in a second. But it was a huge, huge turning point in my life was to start going to therapy, to take control of something I thought I had no control over, my anxiety, my occasional depression my circumstances, in some cases, my relationships, all of these things that made me feel like I was just drowning in hard stuff and hormones, starting therapy and sticking with it is the number one thing that put me on a better path. So that's a little bit of my backstory. Now I am going to literally list 10 things that I want to share with you, that I want you to think about that I want you to answer for yourself, 10 things about therapy. Okay, number one, I wish I had started sooner. Now, maybe that is very obvious from the backstory that I just gave you, but I wish that I had access to therapy when I was a child. Now, I can forgive that it was a different time and it was a different 
kind of culture. But if you have someone in your life that could benefit from therapy, now we're in 2020. So let's think about what is really holding us back. Is it still some kind of a culture taboo where you are? I know that it's true, especially if you're in a small town and there are lots of things to consider. But let's be real. There are not the same type of holdups that there used to be. And so if you are telling yourself that story that therapy is for real wackadoos or for wimpy people or for people that have something much harder than you, that you should be able to handle your own stress and situation, that is all outdated thinking. And outdated thinking is on you. I wish that I had started sooner because in many ways, it would have been easier to start when I wasn't in full-blown crisis mode. When I started therapy, I was drowning, so much so that it was hard to even differentiate from what the real issues were. Did I have a hormonal imbalance? Was I seeing situations clearly? Were my kids having issues or was it me? Like, it was rough. I was in a bad way. If I had started therapy as a younger person, in my 20s, let's say, before marriage, let's say, or just even before children, I know that I would have had some tools and some awareness to help me not get to the point where I was in such a dark place. Now, it's not my fault I was in a dark place. It's not your fault if you were in a dark place. Dark places happen. But still, at 35, if I had started a decade before, knowing I knew back then that I had some issues, that I lived with anxiety and that I had, you know, cobbled together my own coping mechanisms. And I was proud of myself for doing that. I still am. But if I had taken that pride that was maybe a little misplaced, instead of seeing it as like this great strength that I had handled it on my own all this time, if I had seen it as like, okay, I've gone as far as I can go on my own. It's time to have a safety net here. It's time to have some backup help, to research some different ways. I do not have to live like this or feel like this. No one ever told me that. The message that I got, even from people around me who knew that I struggled with some pretty serious anxiety that was at times fairly debilitating to my life, the message I received quite a bit was, it's just something to live with. Mental health struggles are normal and they're just something to ride the waves of. You're doing great. And that just wasn't true. I don't know why we tell ourselves, oh, this is just part of the deal. This is just part of what it feels like to be a teenager. We're angsty, right? This is just part of what it feels like after you have babies, right? Like all the memes and jokes and all the things about struggling, there's a truth to them and that they happen, but there's not a truth that you have to live like that, that you don't deserve help or guidance or medication. There is no great medal at the end of your life for having done it all alone. And so I wish I had started earlier. If I could say anything to myself around therapy, it is that I wish I had started earlier. So that was number one. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. 
Born shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season they make high quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Number two, you do not have to be in crisis. I just said a few words about that, but it really is true. The other thought around not having to be in crisis is that in some ways, when you start in crisis, there's a whole adjustment period to therapy at all, working on yourself at all. And while I don't think that everyone should just sign up and pay for and make time for therapy for total funsies, it's not like that. But I do think everyone can benefit from a few therapy sessions, even if you're doing well, even if your marriage feels good, your career feels great. I've just taken so much from working with a professional person that even if you just go for a check-in a few times a year, again, on your relationships, on your work life, on general stresses, it is so nice to have a person who is a touch point for you, who is really can help you see a baseline for, yes, you seem to be doing great, but I'm glad we touched base here versus, you know, you're saying you're doing great, but what I'm hearing from you is X, Y, Z. You know, I asked Jeff to go to therapy with me several years ago. He actually went to the therapist that I go to, although if we were going to start marriage counseling, we would see someone else, I believe. But he had never been before, and we were in a good spot when I asked him to go with me. I, first of all, wanted him to meet my therapist because I talked so much about her. I talked so much about him. I felt like, you know, I just sort of wanted to have them meet 
This was after I'd been going to therapy for years. But also, I wanted it to not be like this scary, threatening, weird thing in our relationship. If we came to a time where we needed to go to therapy together, marriage counseling therapy, I wanted him to not feel like it was, you know, a trip to the dentist or something. I wanted him to sort of know what it would feel like, you know, a session, know what a room might look like. Again, we would probably go to someone different than my main therapist, but I had learned by then that I didn't want my marriage to get into crisis mode and then us have to go and then him feel resentful or freaked out by the idea of therapy or whatever. It was easier to go when things were fine and just say, hey, this is what it's like. If we ever need to go see someone else again, this is sort of what it will be like. And that was my attitude around that. I really think that now for anyone that they can use that model if they're able to sort of demystify the idea of therapy and it not to be something that you only go to when you're in a bad way. That was number two, that you don't have to be in crisis. Number three, how to find a therapist. So this is the number one question that I get asked all the time is how to find a therapist. And I know when people are asking that, they're well-meaning. I know that they all have the use of Google, but that's not what they mean. They really mean, how can I find a good therapist or a match-for-me therapist? Again, not an expert here. I've only had one, but I have asked around and talked to other friends about this. I have done my own Googling to sort of figure out how to answer this question as it comes to me. And I have, over time, helped other people in my life find therapists for them. So there are a few ways you can go about this. My preferred method, and this is what has worked in my life, is to ask around. If you don't want to ask friends, or that feels weird, you know, you don't want to ask someone who might recommend their own, and maybe you don't want to see the same therapist as your friend or your sister or whatever, then ask another trusted resource who's maybe not in your immediate circle. So like me, I ask the mommy and me acquaintance. You could also ask your doctor, your general practitioner, your OBGYN. I have even asked, not for therapy's sake, but I've even asked my pediatrician for different recommendations. The medical community is small. They always have people that they recommend. I trust their recommends. But then if you really don't want to ask someone in your community or someone that you're going to have to see on some kind of a regular basis, there is always the internet. Psychology Today has a database that I know people have found success using. You can also sort on Psychology Today, depending on where you live, you can sort for the different types of therapy that you might be seeking, and that is very helpful. I also think as you are trying to figure out who to see, who to schedule a consult with, that you should really think about if you have a preference for the type of therapist that you want. And I don't just mean a specialist, although that is very important, but just sort of think, if you can, who you might feel comfortable with. Do you want someone significantly older than you? Do you have a gender preference? Do you care about the setting, like if they're in more of a clinical setting versus like a cozy, homey setting? Now, I don't think you should get too wrapped up in these ideas because we don't always know exactly what we want. You might have to try out a few things and before you realize like what you're comfortable with, but you do want someone who will make you feel safe, 
The situation will feel good to you. You won't dread going necessarily. You feel like you can tell them the things that you need to tell them. That's really important. And so if it matters something about them, then try to identify that ahead of time. Or if you haven't identified it ahead of time, then be honest with yourself. It does no one any favors if once you go and then you realize like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to share my stuff here with this person then do yourself a favor and don't keep trying to force it because you think you should be able to share your stuff with this person because you're trying to be a good, nice human. Save your time and your money and the therapist's time and look for someone that aligns with your preferences in that way. My therapist is older than I am. She's a woman. When I started, I didn't know how much any of that would matter to me. Again, I was in crisis. I wasn't totally thinking straight. But as things come up in your life, some very tender, hard things come up, it turns out that I am glad that she is a woman. It is helpful, though I don't think this would have been necessary, that she is a mother and a wife. And on a purely logistical side, she practices in my neighborhood. Now in Los Angeles, this really matters because carving out the time to see her anyway is hard enough, building in A 30-minute commute adds to the burden of that appointment, which I don't want to do. I need this to be something that works for me in all the ways, including logistically. So if that hadn't been a match for me, eventually, I probably would have changed. So think about those things as you're thinking about all of this. Number four, the second question I get the most is how to pay for therapy. Therapy is expensive. I know this. Every time I talk about this, I am aware of it. It is unfortunately cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Some insurances cover it, some don't. You have to call and find out how much your insurance covers. Sometimes it'll just be a few sessions a year. Sometimes it will be a copay. This to me is the most difficult part of talking about therapy because I feel like I could talk till I'm blue in the face about how effective it can be. But if people can't afford it, then it doesn't help. But just me saying that it's expensive, don't just assume that you know exactly what that means. The rates for therapy vary by region. That's just the truth. It is probably more expensive in Los Angeles than it is in my home state of Oklahoma. Some therapists have a deal for if you pay by cash versus insurance, so you have to ask about that. Some therapists have a sliding scale deal and will have a few slots open a week where you pay on a sliding scale. Online options, which have become really popular, especially during COVID, are significantly less expensive than traditional therapy. And then there are options to go to either like a training clinic or a community mental health services location where those are often therapist in training, which might not be appealing. They're probably young, but it can be better than nothing and know that they are always supervised by licensed longtime therapists. And that even when they're in training, they're trying to get thousands of hours under their belt. And so they are working a lot. They are seeing a lot of people. That can be an option. I don't have all the answers for the payment issue. I know it is vast. And so I really want to acknowledge it. I know that Having to set aside money every month or every few months to pay for therapy is not in anyone's fun jar. 
But I wouldn't be talking to you about this if I didn't think it was worth it to research the various options or to set aside funds for it if you're able. Number five, what if you don't click with your therapist? Now, this is another complaint I feel like I hear from people that they just never really made a connection. They never really felt like therapy was helping. I have a few thoughts about this. First of all, only you can know if your intuition is telling you that this isn't really the right match. I also think that when we first start therapy, unless we're in a really great position and starting for the reasons I already talked about, just for overall health reasons, then I guess that's one thing. But most of us are starting therapy when something isn't going great. And I think often we are not the best judges in that moment of if something is working or not. Now, this is a little bit separate from what I talked about a few minutes ago. If you feel safe, if you feel like it's a person or a a room or a situation where you feel like you trust their credentials and you trust them with your secrets and your vulnerability and like just a very surface match of if this is the type of person that you could talk to versus a deeper layer, a deeper instinct of if this is someone you want to be in a long haul therapy relationship with. And it's my personal opinion that we can't always judge that right off the bat. And that unless it's like an immediate no for you for reasons, then you should give it a few tries. It's not like dating, or maybe it is like dating, depending on your perspective on dating. It's not going to be love at first sight, maybe. When you're starting therapy, if you're in a bad way, you sort of just need to jump on the raft that happens by. You can always change rafts, if you will, in this analogy. It's not a marriage. It doesn't have to be. If you're in a real crisis point, you might just need someone to help you get your mind a little clearer. And then when you're seeing with some more clarity, then you might think, hey, okay, actually, I'm doing a little better and this isn't the right fit for me. And that's fair. You'll have to try and find someone else. Like dating, it might take a few tries. But I also don't want anyone to expect that it will be a match made in heaven. Sometimes we don't even know what we need or prefer until we're in the situation. So we think that our right match might feel one way, but really it feels different. I'm going to use my OBGYN as an example here. I would have thought theoretically, if you had asked me, that I would have wanted someone like really warm and nurturing, someone very like bedside manner is a real part of their value. I want them to love bringing babies into the world. This is what I thought I would have wanted. I actually went to a few different OBs and it turns out I kind of like my doctors to be a little bit clinical. Like I don't need them to pet my hair. I get that from other places. I personally like my doctor to be like direct and cut and dry and no nonsense. That turns out that's just my personal preference for making me feel like I'm in capable hands. I understand if someone else feels wildly differently. And I definitely understand that 
both types of doctors are completely capable and competent in their roles. It's just a personality difference. Same is true for therapists. You might think that you want like a young, hip, woke type therapist person, and then turns out you kind of like a parent figure. I don't know. I'm just throwing those examples out of you might have to try a few different things to figure out what you really want. You might not know exactly what you really want, but most importantly is don't go into this thinking, this is the person I'm going to have to tell my every secret for the rest of my life. That is not how this is going to go, especially if you are in a crisis mode. You just need someone to get you to a baseline, and then maybe you can make a different decision. But because it's really hard to make any kind of a decision when you're in crisis mode, sometimes you just make the first decision that there is, work with what you have until you're able to move on. Again, you accept the lifeboat that comes your way. I really believe this. With my therapist, we did not click right away. I was very intimidated by her at first. I felt like she didn't like me in the beginning which I've told her that now years later, and she really disputes what our early sessions were like in her memory. But to me, I think I was very insecure about different things in my life. I brought that insecurity into the session and assumed sort of by her demeanor, some of the things that she said, that she didn't like me, that she was judging me. Well, this is because in my life, I thought a lot of people didn't like me at that time. I thought a lot of people were judging me. And I was also incapable of discerning the difference of what my own insecurities were telling me, the lies I was telling myself, versus like the reality of people's personality in a professional situation. I wouldn't say that my therapist and I clicked for a while. It wasn't really about clicking. It was more about me just really needing help, recognizing that she could help me. But I definitely wasn't to a place for months to where I could see from either side of us being like, oh yeah, we like each other. We actually enjoy our hour together. That did not come for a long time because of where I was and because of who she is. You know best if you need to move on from a therapist or give it more time. But just make sure that you're not just talking yourself in or out of it. You're not talking yourself out of staying because you think you should. You're not talking yourself out of leaving because you really just don't want to go. Be honest about it. Trust your intuition. Have enough self-awareness to know that whatever your state is right now might not be total and absolute truth and make the best possible decision for yourself. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. 
Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Happy price, price line. Six, your therapist is not your friend. Now, on the one hand, this is totally obvious. This is a person that you're paying. This is, you know, a person with a license to help you. But then also, when you have been in a long-time relationship with your therapist, as I have been, there are some blurring of the lines, not professional blurring, not to inappropriateness, don't get me wrong. But in terms of caring for them and believing that they care for you. But when I say your therapist is not your friend, here's what I mostly mean by that. When you go to lunch with a friend, there is a back and forth. Maybe you feel like comfortable enough to share your troubles, but then you ask about what's going on with them and you expect to hear an answer back. And there is a hopefully equal amount of emotional give and take in a friendship. One of the things that was really hard for me to drop when I started going to therapy was these emotional niceties of wasting time at the beginning of the session, you know, asking all about her, what was happening with her, (laughs) or something I would also probably do with friends, present myself in a manner least likely to be judged. So it took me a long time, and sometimes I even truly still struggle with this, to tell my therapist the real bare bones truth of something. I spoke to her like I speak to many people, which is to say I, you know, am careful with how I say something. I don't want to sound too rude. I don't want to sound harsh. I kind of pad what I'm saying with other niceties. So instead of saying, for example, if I'm talking about a friend problem, maybe I've had a problem with a friend, instead of saying to my therapist, well, she said this thing and I'm mad about it and it makes me mad that she does stuff like this. For example, (laughs) I would say, you know, she's such a nice person. I know that she means well. And so I'm trying to give her grace. Like I give all this padding, right? I am doing that so that my therapist thinks I'm a nice person. It actually would save a lot of time and therefore money if I just said the bare bones thing, like I'm very irritated at my friend for saying this thing. Because then my therapist can get to the root of, why are you irritated? What does it make you feel? Do you think she might have been right? How did you respond? Like all of the ways that she's going to drill down into why this interaction bugged me. I have wasted time and emotional energy by stating it to her how I would state it in a social situation. You know, if I was telling one friend about an interaction I'd had with another friend, I would give it all this padding. You do not have to do that in therapy. Now, if you're listening to this and you've never started therapy, 
it's going to take you a while to unlearn social niceties. But once I realized that my therapist knew me well enough to know that I have a good heart, I'm a reasonably nice person, I can just do away with all those disclaimers, all those caveats, and just say, I'm annoyed at this thing. And we can get to the real work of it. This is very hard to unlearn, but this is crazy valuable. Once I started doing that, I tested the waters on that a few times and realized like how much more territory we could cover if I just said the thing instead of tap dancing around the thing. My growth in therapy leapfrogged, to be honest, because I wasn't dancing around my real feelings. And it not only helped in therapy, it helped me outside of therapy too, because we actually have a lot of this inner talk to ourselves. Very often, we don't even let ourselves have the feelings of, I'm irritated with my friend, because we try to talk ourselves out of it, or we try to make sense of something that there is no sense to be made, or we try to make something deeper than it is. Hey, I snapped at you when I was in a bad mood. You snapped back. Like, that's the end of it. It's not a whole deep thing. There's so much that we do inside of ourselves to cushion our pain, to absolve ourselves or someone else of wrongdoing. There's this mental gymnastics that a lot of us play all the time. By learning to get to the heart of an issue in therapy a lot quicker, then I also learned to do it in my real life also. It was enormously helpful. I feel like this changed my journaling. I feel like it changed drama in my life maybe because I didn't need all these flowery words from myself or others. Like I just wanted to say the thing, get to the thing. But this is something I learned after quite a bit of time in learning that my therapist is not my friend. Number seven, your therapist carries the burdens of the hard words. Now, this one is a little more sensitive, but when I first started going to therapy and was telling her different parts of my story, different relationships I'd had, circumstances, you know, you spend a lot of the early parts of therapy digging deep into some stuff from the past. Well, actually, that's not true. When I went to therapy, we dealt with the immediate acute issue was that I was having some postpartum anxiety that was really derailing my life. But that was almost the easy part. That was the surface. That was what the symptom was of some things that were much, much deeper. So as the months went on and we delved into some of those deeper things, I tried really hard to be honest and share what was happening. But it was my therapist who started to reflect back to me what she was hearing in some of my stories and started to use words I never would have used. Actually, words that I don't even use outside of the therapy room because they are so tender. I'm talking about words like trauma, abuse, things like that. They don't have to be labels, but she gave words to some of the hardest, most difficult parts of my story, words that I never would have used and that I still don't really use, but she can use them. And it's like she carries the burden of these hard parts. She helps me see them for what they are. She doesn't make me use those words. Now, when I say that your therapist carries your burdens, I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't think that you're heaping them on and then you're walking out of the room light as a feather and you've left all this junk emotionally on the therapist. I don't think that's how the therapist receives it, of course, but I'm also not telling you that that's how 
it feels on my end. She car- When I say that she carries the burdens of those words, I just mean she is able to bring some names, bring some themes, bring some realities to me that I never would have let myself think. But because I never let myself think them, I was never able to heal from them. And that's a big deal to me. That's a huge part of therapy, actually, that your therapist carries the burdens of the hard words and your hard stories along with you. He or she lightens that load just by naming it and reflecting it and hearing you and believing you. Okay, number eight, not every session is revelatory. This is important because as discussed, therapy is expensive. We've had to make time for it. We're maybe in a bad way when we start. And I think that we expect that it will be some kind of magic thing. And what I have found is that the sessions with the most magic are usually when there's like nothing else going on, but I keep the appointment, but I'm feeling pretty good about something. And then some kind of major revelation comes out of that looseness. You know, I've come into the session loose, kind of feeling good. And it is that very looseness that allows something to bubble to the top that ends up being really important. Sometimes when I'm not doing great, when I'm very tense, when I've had a very anxious week and I have a lot on my mind, I come to the session and I leave feeling like, I don't even know if we talked about what was important. What did we even talk about? Did I waste time on talking about something dumb and not talking about the important thing? And I don't feel like anything was really accomplished in this hour that I paid for and made time for. But it's not dumb. This work accumulates over time. And what you learn in the sessions where nothing much happens and what you learn in the sessions where there's some big emotional revelation, those things work together and they spill out into your regular life. What going to therapy for me has brought is an overall awareness to how I think about things, to how I think about people. In my life, in my story, I had pretty hands-off parents. They fostered a ton of independence in me and my siblings, which was amazing. That served me well. But once I was on my own living in Los Angeles, I was also a freelance worker. So I had a boss always, but then that job would end after a few months and I would move on to the next thing. I have not had in my adult life like a constant, steady guidance. And that's not exactly what my therapist is by any means, but without a longtime mentor or something like that, she is someone who has taught me how to think about things. And I don't think that you necessarily will get this from your therapist. We all have different needs. We all have different circumstances. This is something that you could get from a parent, you know, a longtime boss or mentor or something like that. But when you're a a young person, It is really helpful to have someone teach you how to think about things, teach you the other side of an issue or something like that. I'm not exactly sure I'm using the perfect words here, but for me, one of the things that my therapist really helped me with was some mindset stuff. I was stuck in decades worth of a fixed mindset. I did not really know how to like grow or think differently. And I tried, you know, I was already reading self-help books and I like inspirational content and whatever, but actually being in a back and forth with another human who was older than me, who had life experience, but we were like-minded in a lot of ways. 
it really broadened my thinking in thinking about other people, interactions, compassion, and taking ownership of my own self, my own words, my own actions, and how they might be received. I just didn't really think in as broad-minded a way, I guess I should say, until my therapist really walked me through as we worked through different relationships in my life, as we worked through my own mental health challenges and obstacles. And she learned how my brain was working and spinning out. She learned the stories I was telling myself, and she could help me realize that they weren't usually true. So that's a therapy thing, but that's also a guidance thing. And once I started to learn to think differently, that affected every part of my life. That affected my parenting, my friendships, the way I thought about my work. That was really an instance of going from stuck in myself and my own mindset to unstuck and trying to see a bigger picture, trying to see another side. And of course, that alone, separate from anything else, is completely invaluable, which goes easily with number nine. My therapist forces me to feel my feelings. Now, outwardly, I'm a person who feels her feelings. I cry. I get angry. I talk on the internet every single week about my feelings. But also, some of that is a song and dance. It doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means it's my comfort zone. I am comfortable with a set range of emotions on a set number of topics. And I can speak to those things well and easily. And it can seem really vulnerable to other people that I'm sharing about my childhood anxiety, for example. But that actually doesn't feel vulnerable to me. This is something I've talked about and felt for a long time. There are many things that I don't let myself feel, that I lock away, that I stuff down, that I talk myself out of. Those things are painful and insecurities and just sort of all the ugly stuff that no one really wants to feel. But when you force yourself to not feel these things, this is when my anxiety would pop up. This is when I had some health problems. This is when I got paralyzed in my work life. My therapist has a number of techniques that she uses to make me feel my feelings, and I hate them. We do not do them every single session, (laughs) but you know, she makes me put both hands on my chest and close my eyes and tell her what I feel, and I hate it. And if I fake it, if I just say something to whatever, get through the minutes, she calls it out. It's so hard. I always cry and cry and feel embarrassed and it like wrecks the rest of my day. It's terrible. But you know what else? It moves that emotion through my body. So 12, 24, 72 hours later, I'm either ready to release that feeling, like I got it out. I felt it and I I can release it. Or I can take action. If it's a feeling that I realized I needed to address with another person or with myself, then I can. And I do. Feeling your feelings is no fun. And that's the other part of therapy that I feel like makes people not want to go is that we've heard that sometimes it's really hard or it makes whatever's going on in your life worse before it can get better. That's true. That's not a cliche. That's not just a stereotype. Going to therapy very often kind of sucks because it's easier to not feel your feelings. It's easier to use all of your ways that you've taught yourself to numb out. I am the queen of numbing. We all do it. And it's easier 
than not doing it. But you know what? Stuffing down my feelings, not feeling them, was making me literally sick. It was making me doubt myself. It was making me act like a crazy person because I was constantly trying to pretend I was fine and I wasn't fine. And there ended up just being this enormous disconnect for what was really true, what was really me, and what I was projecting, which of course spiraled into anxiety and mental health stuff. My therapist forced me to feel my feelings, and I hated it and didn't want to go back, and in fact would would sometimes cancel an appointment because I just couldn't do two weeks in a row of that or whatever. But ultimately, this is good, important work, and I'm so glad I did it because it helped me release my feelings or deal with my feelings, both of which are necessary for any kind of growth. And number 10, last one. Y'all, I did not know I had so many words on this, but I have had a lot of words on this and there's more that I'm not even gonna get to, but I'm gonna end on number 10. Therapy is just one tool in your belt. I feel like I talk a lot about it because not only was it transformative for me, but also it's something that people can really understand. Like it's a tangible thing. You get help, you go to help, you are helped. But whatever's happening in your life, if it's mental health stuff, if it's relational, if it's both, therapy is just one tool. It's not complete magic. I really believe in it, but I started therapy at the same time that I started going to Pilates, literally at the same time. I know for a fact that reconnecting with my body in a very specific way worked absolutely hand in hand with the work I was doing in my therapy sessions and vice versa. I decided to make a big change and I made it and it worked and it was terrible for a while and then it was amazing. Maybe amazing isn't the right word, but it was a whole new Lara after taking control of things that I felt like were really out of control, which is to say my anxiety and my bodily health. Those two things really worked in tandem. There are lots of other options out there that therapy is a wonderful companion to. Medication is the first thing that comes to mind. Please talk to your doctor about that. Talk to your therapist about that. That can also be a really important tool. There's also meditation. There's also seeking counsel in other ways, work, your own education, reading the books, listening to the teachers, like the things that are going to open up your spirit. There are lots of ways to go about bringing change into your life. But what I want you to know is that change is always available to you. Therapy is one of the things that I really, really preach because I think it's so important for me and that I think it can be helpful to anyone. It feels like a real universal thing to recommend when we talk about mental health, but there are lots of ways that make these things all work together. And I love sharing about them with you. I would love to hear your experience this week with therapy. We'll be talking about it in the 10 Things to Tell You Connection Group. If you post about it on social media, I would love to see that. Most importantly, I want you to talk about it with your friends. Normalize that you go or that you want to go. Share your own experiences, the good and the bad. Make it just a normal thing that we chat about like you would chat about anything else. Doesn't signal to anyone that you're in crisis, it doesn't signal to anyone that you are more enlightened. Let's just make it a normal thing. If you like this episode, if you like these thoughts on therapy, I would appreciate it if you would share the show with friends, on social media, whatever makes sense to you. Sharing podcast episodes is the best way to spread the word about them. And I know that you are some of the best listeners out there because I hear from you. 
So thanks for listening. I do appreciate you. Now go share something. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.